Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. Lord, I thank you for the word that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would minister to every heart, all those in the room, all those that are watching on live stream, those that will hear this on the radio later or watch it on YouTube. Lord, may you minister to every heart. May you meet us here. May man decrease, that your spirit would increase, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, okay, way of quick review. Chronicles, as we know, was written to the Jews who had been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. The reason they ended up in captivity in Babylon is they had turned their back on God. They got caught up in idol worship. And so they were drug off into captivity. Now, as they're coming back to Jerusalem, that most of them have never lived there. And so this letter, these two letters were written to give them a history of what took place in Israel. First Chronicles was almost all about King David and his reign. When we come to Second Chronicles, it began with King Solomon, who was David's son. Since then, we've also seen uh, Jeroboam, Rehoboam. We've seen some other kings that existed. And we talked about the fact last week that, all, that the nation had been separated into two pieces. The 10 northern uh, tribes were called Israel, and the southern two tribes were called Judah. It was Judah and Benjamin. Now, it's within that, those tribes where Jerusalem was. And these, these books are written from the perspective largely of what's taking place in Judah. Now, we've seen that Solomon's son and his grandson both failed. And if you'll remember a few weeks back, we were talking about that. And then Asa, we began looking at him last week, and Asa is going to be a good king. And we talked about last week, if you were here, I tell the message, God has no grandchildren. And we talked about the fact that an ungodly example is not an excuse to live an ungodly life. So Asa's dad only reigned for three years, and he failed. And Asa comes along, he's going to rule for 41 years, and God is going to bless him. And we talked about some of the reasons why. Uh, we saw, secondly, uh, doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord last week. What, what, the great thing I loved about Asa, he wasn't worried about what anybody else thought, only what the Lord thought. He wasn't going to be moved by the world. He was only going to be led by the Lord. And so that's what we need as believers today. If we listen to the world, we're going to head in the wrong direction. And we need, to, we need to only focus on and pursue the Lord and Him alone. We talked then about how God gave him some early victories, but Asa continued to prepare for the next battle. And this is really what we're going to talk about tonight is, as Christians, we should never get lazy about our faith. And what I mean by that is we shouldn't come to a place where we're really complacent, and we're just on the Christian cruise control, right? And we're just going with the flow and living our lives, and weeks and months go by. Because you know what? That's, we're married to Jesus, right? The Bible says we're the bride of Christ, and marriages don't last if you don't spend time with each other. Amen? Marriages are not healthy if we're not pouring into each other's lives. And the same is true for us as the bride of Christ, that we should have intimate fellowship with the Lord. So if you have uh, the outline, and so, so chapter 14, like I said, I just love that picture. He, he learned to remain desperate even when he's doing well. He went ahead and built up, even though they had de defeated all their enemies. If you weren't here last week, remember... They had 300,000 men and they fought a million man army and God gave them victory because if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. So grab your outline tonight in chapter 15, we got five points there on your outline. Again, if you're new to our church, I, I, when they give you outlines, I give them their applicational outlines. So I take, when I teach or when I study, it's observation. What does it say? Interpretation. What does it mean? Application. How does it apply to your life? And these outlines are always applicational because my heart is you can take it home with you and apply it to your life. So in tonight's text, oddly enough, I tell the message, revival begins with repentance. True revival, if we want to see, we're seeing, you know, the Jesus Revolution movies out, by the way, getting great reports, amen? And God is using it all over the country and praise the Lord for that. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. Um, it's a history of the Calvary Chapel movement, which you're a part of. And then... Um, we saw the revivals going on on college campuses. I do think it's interesting, I think I'm going to mention this, that the Emmys had this satanic nonsense for their, and then three days later, the whole revival on all the college campuses started. 
And uh, it's like God wins. Can I get an amen to that? God is in control and he's faithful. So revival begins with repentance. So I got some things here that are, are quotes from different verses in the Bible that will apply to the text. First of all, take heed lest ye fall. Asa wins a great victory and he's going to get some godly counsel. And I think often we need godly counsel as much or more when, we, when we're doing great, when we have the victory. Because here's what happens. When we're, when we're going through a tough time, we're humble, broken, and desperate. We're crying out to the Lord. No one has to tell us to pray. When we're, when we're in a desperate situation, we're like, oh, Lord, I need your help. You've heard me use this analogy many times. One more won't hurt you. You know, when you're laying down in the green pasture, Psalm 23, where's the shepherd? He's around here somewhere. But when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're hanging on to him with both hands. And so I think one of the times that's the most dangerous for believers is when we're going through times of plenty, when all the kids are healthy and the job's going well and there's money in the bank and everything's going well. And what can happen is we can cease to be desperate for God. And my prayer for us, for all of us, would be that he would keep us in a place of desperation. So take heed lest you fall. Never allow God's blessing and God's provision and God's gifting to keep you from remaining humble, broken, and desperate, and never stop clinging to the Lord and abiding in Him. We need to be hanging on to the Lord with both hands. Point number two, seek and you will find. So temptation and trouble are going to come. The Bible tells us in James, in this world you will have tribulation, but be able to get cheer. For I've overcome the world. Actually, what I wanted to quote from James was, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, for trials produce patience in the perfecting of your faith. Both of those are true. And so for us as believers, trials, we don't like them, but the truth is that's where we tend to grow the most. And so we're going to see an exhortation for them to keep their eyes on the Lord in the midst of plenty. All their enemies are defeated for a while. We're going to see at the end of this chapter, he's going to have 35 years of peace. They just won a great battle. There's going to be 35 years of peace. And again, we need to make sure we keep our eyes on the Lord and keep seeking after him. Be strong and don't let your hands be weak. Be encouraged by God's heart for forgiveness and restoration. Number three, do not be passive or complacent in your walk. The gracious and forgiving nature of God, here's what it can do to us if we're not careful. And I'm sure all of you may have at least had this run through your mind, and I'm sure you've had people talk to you about it. But here's what the enemy will do. Because you've given your life to the Lord, and because you understand grace, mercy, and forgiveness, the enemy will whisper in your ear, you can go ahead and do that because you know that God will forgive you. Anybody but me ever thought that through your mind before? What I mean by that is the enemy will tempt you and say, well, you can do that because you ask God, he'll forgive you. And so there's a mentality where we can fall into the trap where, you know, well, God's gracious. You hear me say it all the time, grace is not permission, to, is freedom from sin, not permission to sin. Amen? And we're going to see in tonight's text that because of God's grace, it'd be real easy for them to just, again, quit recognizing how they should respond. You know what God, God's grace should make us want to do? It should make us want to love Him more, serve Him more, and obey Him more. Amen? See, what happens with grace, if it's cheap grace, we think, well, well it doesn't matter because I'm forgiven. But if you truly recognize what Jesus did for you so you could be forgiven, you would love him more, serve him more, and want to obey him more. Amen? We're going to see that in tonight's text. Uh, number four, there are choose today whom you will serve. Uh, we recognize that all we have comes from the Lord. It's easier, uh, it's easier to, him, um, to give to him when we recognize all that he's given us. I, that's a, I missed, it, messed up that line there. But it's easier to give to the Lord when you recognize that everything we have belongs to the Lord, whether it's our time, our treasures, or our talents, whatever it might be. And then finally, seek first the kingdom of God. Pursue praise, pursue praise and serve God above all else. Have no other gods before me. So let's begin there in verse 1 of 2 Chronicles chapter 15. We're first going to look at take heed lest ye fall. So as we're coming into this chapter, they just won a huge battle. Asa had already, you know, started cleaning up the place. He's going to do more of that tonight, tearing down the idols and getting the focus back on the Lord. He's being a godly king and, and he trusted the Lord when the enemy mounted up against him. He cried out to God. God gave him this great victory. A million Ethiopians ran for their lives. And now we come to chapter 15 and it says this. Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. 
Azariah's name means Jehovah has helped. So Asa's earlier prayer in chapter 14, he cried out to the Lord and he said, it's nothing for you to help, whether by many or by few. And so Azariah's name is literally in that prayer and it means to help. So Azariah is a prophet we don't know a lot. I mean, he's not one of the more well-known prophets in scripture, one of the lesser known prophets. And while he may not be as well-known as the other prophets, he is a man called and gifted by God. Now, the key to this whole verse right here says, now the spirit of God came upon Azariah. The reason that God is going to use Azariah is because the spirit of God is upon him. Amen. If you and I want to be used by God, we cannot do it without the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know you're all tired. I know it's Thursday night. I need some amens. I think you're napping. Amen. Okay, it's better. So, Without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And so that's probably my prayer every morning is, Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord, to walk in the center of your will. Bring divine appointments my way. And so this is a man who's been called by God. The Holy Spirit is upon him. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So Azariah is just a tool in the hand of the master. He's just available. We're going to see it in the next chapter. Next week, one of my many favorite Bible verses where it says, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one who can show himself strong on account of one whose heart is loyal to him. Azariah is available. Azariah is called by God. Azariah has the Holy Spirit upon him. And God is going to use Azariah to speak into Asa's life. Here's Asa. He's conquering, but he still needs counsel. And I think that's true for all of us. We must never get to the place where we don't spend time in the Word. I had a guy tell me years ago, he said, uh, he said you know, Dave, I'm not going to come to church anymore because I've already, I've already been taught through the entire Bible, so I'm done. And I go, obviously you didn't read it because how about the first thing, not to gather yourselves together and all the more as the day approaches? How about that verse? Let me give you 500 more. Guys, we never arrive. We never finish. The sanctification process goes until the day we get glorified in heaven. Amen? So here, the Holy Spirit comes upon Azariah, and God is going to use him to speak into Asa's life. Now, here's the thing. Asa has to be receptive. Asa has to be willing to receive what he, ha what's, what he has for them. And so the same is true for us. Uh, happens to me often where someone will just come and say, hey, can I share this with you? Or this is a concern I have. Or, you know, and, and I, I receive it every time. I love that. It's good, right? Or we, I, as iron sharpens iron, so man builds up the countenance of his friend. Amen? And so here's Azariah, and God is going to speak through him. He's simply a tool in the hands of the master. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come boldly and bravely to speak a word to King Asa. Again, not something that's always easy to do, because some kings, if you tell them what they don't like to hear, you could die, right? We see that in the Old Testament a lot. We're going to actually see that next week in chapter 16, where Asa does that himself. He doesn't kill him, but he's, it's, it's not pretty. So it's safe to say that we need godly wisdom and counsel just as much, if not more, in times of success as we do in times of failure. It is often in times of success and victory that we cease to be humble, broken, and desperate for the Lord. And we may even become prideful and start thinking that or taking credit for what God's doing. When you, and it's concerning that, and we need to always be careful of this. If you have a gift, and you do, if you're a born-again believer, you have gifts. And when you use your gift, if someone begins to praise you, and again, I think it's okay if someone said, hey, I really appreciate you doing that. By the way, all the guys that were here on Sunday at two o'clock, God bless you guys. And the school was so blessed that, that we basically, 12 guys or 15 guys, whoever was here, they were blown away because we had that big storm and everything had blown over and all this stuff was messed up and it looked pristine when we left on Sunday afternoon and it really blessed the school. And so we thank you. But, and again, I think it's okay to say thank you, but we must never take the credit. Does that, get it? Does that understand that? We get that? Because why? Because God gives us the ability to do it. Amen? And we're doing it for the Lord, not for our own names. So Azariah is going to exhort Asa to not fall into pride and forsake the Lord. He's going to look, Asa, just won a great battle, bro. I get it. Praise God. But be careful. Be careful. Because now you can say, well, I'm, I'm a king of a mighty army. I just beat a million-man army. 
Everybody around me is scared to death of us now because of God. And he could get caught up and puffed up and thinking more of himself than he ought to. Verse 2, and he went up to meet Asa and said to him, hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Boy, that's a heavy verse, amen? That's your Bible in your hands. You probably underline that verse. So he, did, he not only spoke to Asa, but all the people. You know, Benjamin and Judah are the two tribes in Judah, and they all came together, and he's going to speak to them, and he's going to exhort them, and he's going to encourage them. But notice what he says here. So in the midst of great victory, he warns them, don't forsake the Lord. Now, I think Asa might have thought in his mind, why would I forsake God? That would be stupid. Why would I do that? He just gave me a mighty victory. I just saw his power. I just saw what he did. Where in the world else would I go? Who else, you know, who else has the words of eternal life? Why would I do that? I would never do that. But let me just tell you this. Whenever God warns somebody not to do something, it's because he knows they're tempted to do it. Amen? You know, take heed lest ye fall. That's why I put that there, because Asa needed to listen to what Azariah, the messenger of God, was saying by the power of the Holy Spirit, because he was warning him because he knew that he could become complacent and fall into this trap. I've mentioned this before. Whenever I'd go to the pastor's conference, uh, especially when Pastor Chuck was around, um, we'd go to the conference. There'd be a couple thousand senior pastors there. And Chuck would get up almost every year, and one of his first messages would be, touch not the money, touch not the women, touch not the, you know, the glory, Right? That's not the wine, women, money, and glory. He'd say, look, guys, we're all servants. And take heed lest ye fall. And he'd say, turn around and look around you. There'll be some guys in this room that aren't here next year because they're going to be disqualified. Take heed lest ye fall. You know who I'm most worried about? The guy who thinks he can never fall. So this is why Asa needs to hear this. He's pulling him aside going, look, as long as you pursue the Lord, as long as, as you uh, are in Him, if you seek Him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. You're as close to God as you want to be. You have the relationship with God that you want to have. I doubt any of us have fully the relationship with God that he would like us to have. Amen? Can we all be closer to the Lord? But the point is that whatever relationship you have with the Lord, it's not on him, it's on you. It's on me. Why? Because if, I, if I'm really in love with him, I, I'll spend time in the Word daily. I'll use the gifts God's given me. I'll, I'll come on Thursday night when we just have... <laughs> Amen? And you guys are here, and God bless you for that. But that's a warning. And throughout Scripture, we see the if-then promises. If you will do this, then God will bless you this way. But if you do this, God will bring righteous judgment. Why? Because we all have a choice to choose today whom we will serve. Choices have consequences. Now, when we're obedient, does that mean your life's going to be perfect? What's the answer? No. But when we're obedient, God will be glorified and we will get blessed, but maybe not in the way we want to. You know, we, the blessing might come through getting cancer and having an ability to minister to people, right? So it's all for his glory, not for ours, and we should have an eternal perspective. So Asa gets this exhortation. Now, Asa right here could have just said, Dude, do you know who you're talking to? By the way, is there anything more annoying than somebody saying that? You ever see these videos and somebody gets pulled over? Do you know who you're talking to? Oh, Lord, help me. Can I get an amen to that? I just, you know, where's the lightning? But here's the reality that, you know, we can get into that mentality. And Asa, at this point, could be the most powerful man on the planet. And God's blessing him. And it would be easy for him to try to push Azariah down, but thankfully he's going to listen. So this is a warning for all of us. The application for all of us is the same. If we pursue the Lord, if we seek the Lord, he will always be found. But if we forsake the Lord, in a sense, if we walk away from him, the word forsake there means to leave, to lose, to forsake. And the warning here for Asa and for each of us is never stop clinging to the Lord. Never cease to be desperate for God. Make him a priority in the passion of your life every single day. Every time God gives a warning, again, it's because there's a clear danger of it coming to pass. God knows Asa's heart, and he knows his areas of weakness. You know what else God knows? He knows your heart, and he knows mine. He knows you better than you know you. 
And you know yourself pretty well. Can I get amen to that? But he knows you better than you know you. And so because of that, again, we need to hang on to the Lord because there are areas of temptation. There's areas of weakness in our life. And the Lord is the one we need to keep our eyes on. The Lord is with you while you are with him. And I love that picture. King Asa and the kingdom of Judah, again, had this mighty army and just won a mighty battle, but he's letting them know, as long as you're with the Lord, the Lord will be with you. And so this is not just spoken to the king, it's spoken to all the people. And it's letting all the people know, yeah, you've had a great victory, but you got to keep your eyes on the Lord. That'd be a great word for our nation as well. Amen. It says in Matthew 7, 7, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. That's Deuteronomy, excuse me. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. That's in Jeremiah. And in Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The converse is also true. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. Ultimately, God again gives us what we want from him. I've never seen so much sacrilege in my life as I see in social media, as I'm seeing in the media today. Some of the things are just so horrendous and so heartbreaking. I saw one tonight, and I will never repeat it to anybody because it's so disgusting, talking about Jesus. And you think, we're living in a time where men call good evil and evil good, and people are forsaking the Lord in droves. And you know what? In the middle of all this, realize that's that's us. Uh, you know, we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen. And we need to love people and we need to represent Jesus well. We need to tell them about the love, grace, and mercy of God, share our testimony with others because they don't have the Holy Spirit and they don't have a relationship with the Lord. And they're trying to find answers everywhere else. That was one of the great things about the Jesus Revolution movie. It was so raw, just about, you know, the whole hippie movement. Everybody's, you know, overdosing and all that drugs and everything else because they were looking for answers. And as I mentioned the other day, when Lonnie says to Chuck Smith in the movie, they're sheep without a shepherd. And that's what they truly are. So point number one there, take heed lest you fall. Revival begins with repentance. Never allow God's blessings, provision, or gifting to keep you from remaining humble, broken, and desperate, and never stop clinging to Him. Point number two there, verses three to seven, let's read it. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without the law. So for a long time, there were no priests, so there's no sacrifices taking place. There's nobody teaching them the word, and there's no relationship with God. So even though they're God's chosen people, even though God had promises with them, for a long time, they had taken their eyes off the true and living God. Now, without the true God, without teaching priests, and without the law, which is also a picture of the Word of God. Guys, when you take the Word of God away, the church will fall apart. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by. So if you want to grow in faith, you spend time in God's Word. And the Holy Spirit ministers to us through the Word of God. And so this was a time when, sadly, we're seeing a a time when they had walked away from the Lord, when He wasn't given the position he deserves. And like I said, when I watch what's happening in the world today, it feels like they're talking about us right now. So the prophet Azariah describes the bad state of Israel in their overconfidence and distance from God, that they had rejected God and those who teach them the word and the law itself. Without a teaching priest reminds us that the priests and the Levites did much more than just administer sacrifices. They also taught the word. We have churches today where the word of God is not being taught. One of the saddest things I hear, it's really sad, is somebody will watch us on live stream or hear us on the radio, and they'll say, I didn't know anybody does that. You mean you just teach through the Bible like that? Do you do that all the time? You know, what's your next series? It's the next chapter. Can I get an amen to that? It's just to just keep turning the pages, and when we get all the way to the end, we're going to go all the way back and do it again, amen? But, but it's sad because, uh, you know, a lot of things that we would call church today have become religious country clubs where it's all about being entertained and preaching to your felt needs and three ways to overcome your anger and five ways to, you know, for better to be debt-free. And again, those aren't bad things, but they're not the Bible. Amen? And we need the Word of God. And so he, he's exhorting them that, yeah, you guys have gotten away from the Word. You guys have walked away from it. Now, why do you think they were worshiping idols? Because they'd gotten away from the Word of God. Amen? 
And so he's exhorting them here. Now, as he says there in verse 4, But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. So here's what happens. We saw this repeatedly. This really refers, remember the time of Judges? If you were here for the book of Judges, you have a seven times this happens in about a 300-year period. And here's what happens. The children of Israel have a judge who's walking with the Lord and they're serving God. The judge dies. The judge is also like a, you know, a, a prophet, a leader. And so the judge dies and then they just go off and start living like the world. And then they get taken captive by you know, an idolatrous nation nearby and they're drug off into captivity. And then in the middle of all that, they cry out to the Lord and God sends another judge. And then when the new judge comes, they get their eyes back on the Lord. God blesses them, frees them from their captors. And as soon as, and they continue to walk with the Lord till the judge dies. And then they do it again. And now they're captured by somebody else. And they're doing, and then they cry out to God and God brings another judge. It happens seven times in Judges. And what's amazing about that, we read that and we think they're, they're, they're you know, what's wrong with these people? But it can sound like our lives sometimes, amen? Where we, where we you know, we, I, I know none of you besides me have, have done the same sin more than once, right? I mean, you, see, you fall into the ditch, you see the consequences of it, you cry out to God, He forgives you, and then, you know, however much time later, you're back in the same ditch. And that's the book of Judges. And this is the exhortation here in verse 4, is he's saying, look, in a time of trouble, they turned to the Lord. When you were in a place where you couldn't fix it, you had to cry out to God. And this is why it's good that sometimes we're in places where we can't fix it. Amen? Where we, where we can't do it. I, I can't fix this. I have no answers. I have to cry out to God. I told you repeatedly, I had a friend of mine who used to say, you know, I only talk to God when I'm going through tough times. I've been going through a lot of tough times lately. I said, well, the Lord misses you, bro. So just, <laughs> just spend time with the Lord. Maybe you can avoid some of that. But the word trouble there is distress, foes, enemies, oppressors. Uh, it talks about narrow paths. So he's saying, look, when you're in those places, if you will turn to the Lord, if you will seek, you will seek him, if you go turn to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he has been found by them. When you turn to the Lord, he's not hiding. God is never hiding. God always is ready to talk to you. Amen? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding on your behalf even when you're not talking to him. And he loves to talk to you. He loves to have intimate fellowship with you. And so, guys, we're as close to God as we want to be and we need to be turning to him. In the midst of trials, temptation, and trouble, turn to the Lord, don't run from him. The enemy will always give you another way to go. They'll try to give you another answer. Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. We should always turn to the one that's going to make us closer to the Lord, not further away from him, verse 5. And in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in, but great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. The word peace there is completeness, soundness, welfare, peace. There's no peace. You know what people are really looking for in the world today? They're looking, they're looking for peace. They're looking for the answer that will bring them peace in the midst of a, of a lost and a dying world. And while they try to find it, they try to find it in sex and drugs and alcohol and money and careers and followers on TikTok and popularity and whatever. And they're chasing after all these things and none of them are going to bring them peace. It, it won't. Because the only way you can have pre peace is to know the Prince of Peace. Amen? And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. And so there's no peace in the land because they had turned their back on the Lord. There's no peace in the land because they're not walking with God. And so in the midst of this, these are warnings that are coming. He says, they went in and came out. This is a Hebrew phrase that speaks of leadership. It could be simply, again, like in Judges, they had a new judge. And then when he left, they fell apart. And they got another new judge. They got right with God. Then they fell apart. And sadly, that's why we as people should never follow men. We follow the Lord. Amen. Men will fail us. Men will come and go. God's same yesterday, today, and forever. And notice he talks there about great turmoil. The word turmoil is confusion, discomfort, destruction, trouble, being vexed. And he's saying, look, you're going to go through times like that. And when you do, there's no peace. And when you go through it, we're all, all inhabitants of the land. Nobody escapes the trials of this life. Nobody. 
And so when they come, how do you respond? Where are you going to turn? He's exhorting Asa again. God has blessed you. If you walk with him, if you seek him, he'll be with you. If you forsake him, he'll forsake you. And by the way, here's the history of Israel. They continue to pursue after the false gods of this world. They've been carried off. And the people reading this, the ones that got this letter here, they've just been in Babylon for 70 years because of it. And so this is a word of exhortation and encouragement to King Asa. And then it says there in verse 6, So the nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. So God troubled them. The word trouble there, again, means confused, to discomfort, to break, to consume, to crush. And the word adversity there is distress or trouble. The nation was destroyed by nation and the city by city, for God allowed it. See, God brought the adversity. Again, sometimes that's what it takes. When I would pray, when I pray for people that are in a bad situation, and that's always the case, uh, because I have a lot of prayer requests, which I love, but there's always people in tough spots. And when I would pray this for my own kids when they were struggling, here's my prayer would always be, Lord, do whatever it takes to get their attention, but please keep them from the ultimate harm. I've prayed that more times than I can count. Lord, do whatever it takes to get their attention. If they, if they need to get arrested, if they need to go to jail, if they need to be diagnosed with cancer, whatever, whatever needs to happen, Lord, to get them to turn back to you, Lord, please do it. But please keep them from the ultimate harm, especially if they don't know the Lord yet. I pr- I've been praying that this week for several people. And so the point is that, guys, what really matters is where we are with Jesus. And whatever it takes to get us there, it's worth it. Amen? Again, the people that I admire the most, the people I like to listen to the most, are the people that have been through the most trials and continue to be faithful. Again, a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Then he says in verse 7, But you, be strong, and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So he tells them to seek the Lord in the times of trouble. And then he tells them about the destruction that came to those who, from the adversity, the Lord allowed the destruction to come because they walked away from the Lord. And he says, yeah, they've been weak and they've faltered, but let me, now I'm going to tell you, Asa, what you need to do. And this is a word for all of us. Here's what he says in verse 7 again. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. I put down here, don't slow down. You know, we might think that Asa is doing just fine, but God is telling him to keep going. Don't coast. Don't be on the cruise control to heaven. Press into the Lord. Here's my prayer daily, and here's my prayer, you know, every year. I want to be closer to the Lord tomorrow than I am today. I want to be closer to the Lord next month than, I, than I have, I've ever been before. And my heart would be, the longer I'm on this planet, the closer I get to the Lord, not the further away I get from Him. Amen? And he's telling them to be strong, to stand firm, to be faithful. Yeah, the world around you might be falling apart, Asa, but you remain faithful. Don't let your hands grow weak. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. And you know what? This is why we're in California right now, because California needs missionaries like, like almost no place on this planet. Amen? People need the Lord here. That's why we're here. That's why I'm going full-time. I mean, my heart is, look, we, we have a vapor of time to be about it for the kingdom of God. Let's not grow weary. Let's not grow tired. If God calls you, he will sustain you. Be strong. The word to strengthen, prevail, harden, become strong, be courageous, be firm, grow firm, be resolute. I love that. And that's what God's called us to be. And then he says he's going to reward us. And that always blows my mind. So how many wicked vile sinners have you got in the room? Okay. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he sends his son to live a sinless, perfect life, to suffer and die, take all of our sin upon himself. He goes to the cross of Calvary, proves himself to be God three days later, raises from the dead, veils torn. He pays the price for all of our sin. He knows us best. He loves us most. And then when we surrender our life to him, he fills us with this Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts. And then if we just use the things that he gave us, he then gives us rewards. And these are mainly heavenly rewards, right? The rewards can come here, but also in heaven. And, and again, I know a lot of people, I've, I say this quite a bit, that sometimes we say, well, I don't, you know, I'm not really all that worried about rewards. I just want to get there. Can I just get to heaven? As long as I'm in heaven, I'm good. Well, I, you know, I, amen to that. That's, that's a big changer for your eternity, amen, where you spend eternity. But here's the thing. 
If God tells us that we should desire the gifts, we should. It just means we're being faithful. Remember the parable of the talents, right? And, you know, there's one, two, and five, and there's one that's one, five, and ten. But in each case, the guy who had one buried it in the ground. The other guys went out and worked hard and grew their talents or giftings and used it for the Lord. And, and this guy buried it in the ground and then tried to give it back to God when he got here. And he took the talent away and gave it to somebody else. Guys, God doesn't want to just give it to you so you can hold on to it. Again, the most selfish thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. We're called to minister to a lost and a dying world. Be strong for you worked, your work shall be rewarded. In spite of great trouble that God had visited on previously disobedient people, King Asa should be encouraged at God's heart for forgiveness and restoration. See, he's saying here, he's telling them there's going to be for, there's forgiveness. Yeah, you guys, have been, you guys have been away from the Lord, but you know what? You're coming back. And if you will be faithful, there's still rewards, even though you as a nation have been taken away captive repeatedly, even though you've become idolatrous at times. But it's not too late to get right. It's not too late to honor God. And guys, for all of us, no matter what you're going through in life, it's not too late for you and I to get right with God. Amen? Repentance, again, is just turning around. It's a change of heart. It's a change of mind. I'm headed this way, and I want to surrender my life to the Lord. It's a million steps away from God. It's only one step back. A verse that compares to this is in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This week, I was listening to Pastor Chuck um, I, I went back and watched it again, one of the last interviews he did before he went to heaven, and he's, it's with him and Greg Laurie. And he says to Pastor Chuck, who at the time is in his 80s, and he said, if, you, if, if the 80-year-old Chuck could go back and talk to yourself when, you know, when you're in your 20s, what would you tell yourself? And he quoted something that I quote all the time, when this time has come and passed, only what I've done for Christ will last. Nothing else is going to matter. And the things that we think are so important that we invest all our time and treasures and talents into uh, often are chaff, wood, hay, and stubble. Won't matter in eternity. Lord, paint eternity on our eyes. Amen? So point number two there, seek and you will find. Again, if you seek the Lord, He's not hiding. Uh, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, how will they hear without a preacher? Well, at that time, they didn't have anybody teaching the Word. So again, they became biblically illiterate. They didn't know what the word said. They were, didn't have a godly king. His father was an ungodly man. And now there's a godly king that has taken his place. And his, the focus is to get back home. Now, so he gets this warning. And the warning is, seek the Lord. If you forsake the Lord, he'll forsake you. If you seek the Lord, he'll bless you. Now watch what he does. How should he respond to that? Look at verse 8 and 9. Do not be passive or complacent about your walk. Look what it says. When Asa heard these words... And the prophecy of Obed, the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which had been taken in the mountains, taken in the mountains of Ephraim, and he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. So what does he do? He hears these words that if he will seek the Lord, God will bless him. If he seeks the Lord, he will find the Lord. If he's faithful to the Lord, God will reward him. He tells him to be strong, to be courageous. And so he does. As soon as he hears that word, he could have just said, oh, whatever, bro, I'm the king. I got it all made. You know, I've got, I've got everything I could possibly need. I'm good. He doesn't do that. He continues to pursue the Lord. He wants to finish strong. He wants to be faithful. People have asked me, People keep saying, you're retiring. I'm not retiring. I'm just moving from two jobs to one job, the one that's more important. Can I get into that? But I love when people say, are you going to ever retire as pastor? I, I said, I don't see that in the Bible. I don't get that. Do you see the Apostle Paul eating a bag of chips on the coast of Galilee in a rocking chair? I don't see that. Amen? Most of them died young anyway. But here's the reality is that I love how Pastor Chuck taught on Sunday and went to heaven on Tuesday. And you know what I mean? I want to use the gifts, and my prayer is the same for, us, for you, not just for me, to use the gifts God's given you until you breathe your last breath, if it's possible. Amen? As long as we have the capability to do it, that's what we should be about. So what does he do? He removes the idols. This was a, a good and godly response. Instead of being passive or complacent, King Asa took action based on uh, the, the open heart of God to restore and to forgive. And again, some believe that because God forgives, that's freedom to sin. Asa hears 
God restores and forgives, and it just makes him want to obey God and serve God more. In light of what God has done for us, that's not an excuse to continue to live uh, our old life. In light of what God has done for us should make us love him more and want to serve him and obey him more. Freedom from sin, again, not freedom to sin. So I love that picture, and it says he restored the altar. The altar there, um, he destroyed the idols and restored the altar. See, restoration comes not only when you get rid of the bad, but when you pursue the good. Amen? So he removes the idols, and he replaces it with the restoration of the altar, where they can have sacrifices again, and they can go back to the, they're in the old covenant before Jesus came. And so the same is true for us. As believers, we can get caught on either side. We can be in a place where all we do is try to get rid of the evil things, and okay, that's admirable. And then, or we can just be pursuing the good things, but we need to do both, amen? Now, we can't do, now look, I'm not teaching works-based salvation. Don't be confused. You know, good works are not the source of salvation, but they should be the fruit of salvation, right? If we've given our life to the Lord and we truly love Him, we should become more like Him and our lives should bear fruit and we should represent Him well to a lost and a dying world. If you look around, you're going to see a world that is just in such turmoil and we have the answer. And Lord, help us not to just keep it to ourselves. Let me reread this whole verse here again in verse 9. It says there, Then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt in Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, and they came over to him in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord, his God, was with him. What happened? Here's what happened. He restored the altars. He tore down the idols. He was walking with the Lord. It was evident to the world around him. Remember that Israel is the northern 10 kingdoms, 10 tribes, the northern kingdom. And if you will remember, they still had idolatry in the land. And he's going to go into Israel, even though he's not the king of Israel, he's the king of Judah. He's going to tear down the altars there and all the idolatry there. And what happens is these people in Israel see that God's hands upon Asa, and they see that God's being glorified in, in Judah. And you know what happens? A bunch of the people leave and come down to, to dwell where God's, God is moving. There are people that were driving 30 hours to go to that college because, you know, God was doing a work there. Now, I'm, if you want to do that, I'm okay with that. But here's the reality. We should, we should be able to have that happen here. Amen. We don't have to pursue it. We pursue the Lord. But they fell on him when they saw that the Lord God was with him. The children of Israel fled to Judah, wanted to be in the Lord's presence. And people come from all over when they saw that God had been doing for Asa. And sometimes we wonder how we can get people to come to certain ministries. When we were in Santa Cruz, right? I mean, I pastored a church. Most of you guys know this. And it's the Tofu Tadai New Age Lesbian Capital United States. Very liberal about as liberal as it gets. The headquarters of the Church of Satan was there, just out of control. And people say, why in the world are you going there? And then when we had been there for a long time, we'd been meeting in a gym for 10 years and the church was busting. And we, every building we went to try to get, the city would say no. So we, got, we were getting a building that was kind of out of the way and we were concerned about it. And one of these guys quoted Spurgeon. Let me quote it to you. And I love this quote. Charles Spurgeon told young pastors, if you want people to come to your church, They get yourself on fire and people will come from all over to watch you burn. That's a good quote, amen? God will add to the church. One of the guys kept saying, we don't have to advertise a fire, Pastor Dave. We just teach the word, love people, watch what God does. Holy Spirit's going to move. And we did move and God blessed it in the church. And so again, we want to be on fire for God. And we want to live in such a way for the Lord that people are going to see it. They saw it in Asa. They saw that God was doing something in Asa, and people said, man, God's got his hand on that guy. I want to go, I want to go hang out in that, with them. I want to leave my, my land behind, my family behind, my tribe behind, because I want to go be where God is. And my prayer is that that would be the same for all of us, because our heart above all else would, want, would be want to be where God is. Point number three. Point number four, excuse me. Choose today whom you will serve. So don't be passive or complacent in your walk. And again, the nature of God should not be an excuse to sin. It should cause us to respond with greater love and greater passion for the Lord and for obedience to Him. Choose today whom you will serve. Look at verse 10. So they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month, 
in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. So some time has gone by. Remember that uh, his dad only reigned for three years. Now it's been 15 years into his reign, and he has been faithful, and he has been bringing restoration and tearing the idols down, and God has been blessing them as a nation. And notice what it says. It says there, and they offered to the Lord, verse 11, at that time, 700 bulls and 7,000 sheep from the spoil that they had brought. Do you remember when they had that battle with the Ethiopians, there was a million-man army. And with that million-man army, they had to bring cattle and horses and all these things, right? They had to bring things to provide for themselves, things to help them travel. And so when God gives them the victory, notice that one of the first things they do is they go make sacrifices to the Lord with the things that God gave them. Now, nobody is more nauseated by the name it and claim it, grab it and blab it, believe it and achieve it, you know, word of faith movement than I am. Because Jesus doesn't need your money. Can I get an amen to that? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You notice we don't even pass an offering here and we never will. Why? Because where God guides, God provides, right? That being said, we should use our times, our talents, and our gifting and give it to the Lord and use it for his kingdom. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When my wife and I first got married, my wife did not grow up in a Christian home. And she had just started coming to church at the church my dad pastored. And my mom led her to the Lord in her kitchen. My dad baptized her. And nine months later, I married her. And we married for 38 years. But I remember sitting down to explain to her why we give. It's like, oh, but we don't have a whole lot of money. We were poor, you know, young, young uh, people. I was working in a lumber yard. She was working in a Hallmark store. And we were just scratching it out, right? We had a little tiny apartment. I still loved it. It was great. But I sat her down. I said, babe, we, we give first. Not because, we don't give so we can get. We give because we've already been given. Amen? I'm not giving. I, it's, it's not the holy lottery. I'm not trying to manipulate God to give me stuff. That's ridiculous. But, he get, but everything I have belongs to him, and he lets me hang on to you know, 80, 85%, 90, whatever you keep of it. It's all the Lord's. And it's just where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My dad taught me that when I was a little boy. Uh, my dad was a pastor, and we, we were not wealthy by any stretch. Uh, we would often run out of food before the end of the month. So my, my, my uh, allowance was 25 cents a week. And my dad would always give it to me in two dimes and a nickel so I could tithe. And he would always tell me, son, give to God first, save second, learn to live on the rest, and God will provide for you. It's okay. And you know what? When you give, it's, just, it's a get to, it's not a have to. And you know what? If you can't give cheerfully, don't. Yeah, don't. Right? And so what he's saying here is the same thing. Look, what is the first thing they do? They win this great battle. He's been exhorted, right, to make the Lord priority. And so what does he do? He has this huge sacrifice, making this sacrifice. He's going to be making a covenant with the Lord, a covenant promise with the Lord. And, but notice it even says there, it's taking a portion of what they had won in battle and giving it back to the Lord. They would have had none of it without the Lord. And you and I would have nothing that we possess without the Lord. Amen? So it's all his. And so when we give it to him, you know what? It'll, it'll outlast this lifetime and God will use it for his glory. When we recognize that everything we have comes from God, it is much easier to give to him out of what he's already given us. A lack of generosity is often rooted in refusing to recognize that God's the ultimate provider of every good and perfect gift. If you know that he's a provider, you trust him. And again, it's sometimes when we're, we have to go through those trials uh, and we may have times we don't have to deal with that, but times when we do, and getting to watch God just show up in the time when we're desperate. I told you this many times, but it bears repeating because I shared it recently with somebody else. And I'll never forget that when my dad pastored that church in Wilmington, that's where I got saved, First Baptist Church in Wilmington down near Carson and Compton. And yeah, I grew up in the hood. So I, when I was down there, um, we would always, it was always tight. I was wearing my brother's clothes. He was five years older than me. So I was always the kid at school with the pants that were, you know, way too big and they were cuffed four times and I have to put cardboard in my shoes and, you know, that kind of stuff, right? And, and I didn't know any different. I didn't care. Didn't have money for sports, didn't have money for that. But I remember one time going into the kitchen on a Sunday morning. I've shared this before, but my mom was, I never saw her get emotional. She was sitting on the floor in the kitchen and she was crying. We we're going to leave for church. And I was like, what's wrong, mom? I was like six or seven years old. And she said, well, God will work it out, but we're out of food. Your dad doesn't get paid for four more days. We just want to make sure we can get you guys some food somehow. So I don't know what we're going to do. 
And, you know, my mom hugged me. We prayed. We went to church. We came home from church, and my mom, we had a half a box of mac and cheese left. So she was going to make that, and then we're going to be done for three more days. And when we opened the cupboard, food was falling out. Someone had come to our house and filled every cupboard, filled the refrigerator from top to bottom. And what I remember is they put a case of Otter Pops in the freezer, right? <laughs> when you're seven, that's as good as it gets right there. But you know what? Here, that was 52, 53 years ago, and I still remember it. See, when we go through trials and difficulty and we see God show up, we never forget it. Amen? And there are times when we need to just trust Him and jump in with both feet for the Lord. When earlier He said, be strong, bro. Don't be weak. Finish. Be faithful to God and trust Him. He will provide for you. He's a faithful God. Then it says in verse 11, they offered the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil they brought, verse 12. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul. The word covenant there is a pledge. It's an allegiance. So, you know, you have the new and the old covenant in the Bible, right? And the old covenant was all sacrifices pointing to the coming Messiah. Now Jesus you know, has gone to the cross for us, and we're under the new covenant, not the old covenant anymore. But in those days, they were commanded to make sacrifices, again, because it all points to Jesus. And so they were doing that. They were being faithful, and they said, we want to make a covenant. We want to make an open promise to God before everyone. I want everyone to know that, I'm, that we are uh, following the Lord, we are serving the Lord, we're faithful to the Lord, we're unashamed of the Lord, we have a relationship with the Lord, and should not be our hearts. Notice it says there, to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart. See, there had been a generation of several horrible kings who had walked away from the Lord, and they want to, they want to go back to the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They want to go back to the God of Moses. They want to go back to you know, the God of Adam and Eve. They're like, look, we, we want to get back with the true and living God that we've walked away from that we've got caught up in idolatry. Boy, that's my prayer for our country. Amen? This was founded as a Christian nation. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. But could God bring revival in our country? The answer is absolutely. But, if, but again, you know, start by just bringing revival in my life and in your life. Amen? So the exhortation here is, he said, look, they sucked the Lord their God of their fathers and with all their soul. When was the last time... You, you just turned off everything, all the distractions are put away, and you got on your knees or however, whatever position you need to be in, and you just spent time pursuing the Lord in His Word, crying out to Him in prayer. One of the things that God uses with me is I go to sleep every night. I have a Bible app. I've shared this too. It's called Bible IS, and I literally listen to the Bible while I'm going to sleep. I just love hearing the Word of God, and sometimes I'm awake for 20 minutes, and I just... And when I wake up, it's still going. And the next night I hit pause and I just start from where I left off. And it's just a good, I love to begin my day, spend my day and end my day with the Lord. Amen. And so he's saying, look, we want to, we, we want to surrender our lives fully to the Lord. We want, we're seeking after him with all of our heart, with all of our soul. Again, he's not just a get out of hell free card or something up in the back burner of our life for times of emergency. It should be intimate fellowship with him. But notice this. Now watch, this is heavy. Look at verse 13. You ready? Whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was to be what? Whoa. This is why people tell me, I don't like that Old Testament God. I like the New Testament God. That Old Testament God's kind of rough. Now, what you need to understand is he says there, would to be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. What they're talking about here is anyone who rejects God and has made a conscious choice to continue to follow after idolatry and to reject the true and living God, the wages of sin is what? Death. And the, God's desire is that none should perish, no, not one. His desire is that we would all be saved. But the Bible also tells us that broad is the road that leads to destruction, right? And it's a narrow path that leads to heaven. And so most people are going to reject God. Now that should break our heart. Amen should bring us to a place where we're interceding on behalf of others. But the exhortation here is he makes it clear that we all have a choice to make. That's why I wrote, choose today whom you will serve for that, these five verses. Because if we choose to follow the Lord, we'll have the promise of eternal life. We'll be born again. We'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll, our sins will be forgiven. Our name's written in the Lamb's book of life. It doesn't get any better. 
Better to be uh, in the lion's den with the Lord than in the palace without him. Amen? And so there are those that will forsake the Lord. And some people don't like it when they say, well, that's pretty rough about the whole death thing. You know, well, guess what? You don't have to. We're all going to get what we choose. Amen? He desires that none should perish. I believe every person that spends eternity in hell will have run over the cross of Calvary many, many times in their lifetime to get there. They'll have had opportunities to, to re- repent, to give their lives to the Lord. They have the conviction within them that they call their conscience, and sadly, they will reject the Lord. And so here's the thing, guys. Our biggest concern, every believer the side of heaven should be burned for every unbeliever the side of hell. We should have a burden for these people to see them saved, to see them born again, to never lose sight of the fact that their eternity is hanging in the balance. So they should be put to death. It says back in Deuteronomy, let me just read this to you. It's where it comes from. Deuteronomy 17, it says, If there is found among you, then any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, a man or a woman who has been wicked in the sight of the Lord, in transgressing his covenant, who has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or the moon or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded, and has told you and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently, if it is deed true and certain that such an abomination is committed in Israel, then you shall bring them out to your gates, the man or the woman who has committed this wicked thing, and shall stone them to death, that man or woman with stones. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death. Well, that's a seeker-sensitive verse right there, isn't it? And here's what's happening, even in the church, is we'll only focus on the blessings of giving our lives to the Lord, and we should focus a ton on that, amen? But often, you'll have churches that don't ever talk about what happens when you reject the Lord. And we need to do that. I had a lady in Santa Cruz, she left our church finally, because she would come up and say, oh, you, talk, you should just only talk about love, that's it. Just talk about love. Talk about love. I said, well, greater love have this, no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. Why did he do that? Because we're going to hell without him. I don't like when you talk about hell. Don't talk about hell. Don't talk about sin. I go, well, but I got to teach the Bible. It's all in here. Amen? But people need to be warned. People need to be warned. Again, there's an old, really, I, I would love to find it. There's this old, really cheaply made uh, short video, and it's teenagers in a car, I used to show it when I was a youth pastor, and they're driving in the car, and they're all hanging out together, and then they get in a car accident, and they're all, they all die, and now they're headed to eternity, and two of them are, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant, the other two are being drug off to hell. And the other two said to the other two, why didn't you tell us? I thought you were my friend, why didn't you tell me? And guys, too often we don't tell people because we're more afraid of men and how, what they'll think of us than being faithful to the Lord. Amen? Pray for divine appointments. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to stand on a box and scream at people. God will give you divine appointments. He will make yourself available. So then it says there in verse 14, then they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. Now, what I love about this, this is a public proclamation that we are going to follow God. They came and had the sacrifices. They worshiped the Lord. And now they're doing it publicly. So no one can ever say that they didn't know. You know, that's why I love baptism. You know, baptism is a, is a public proclamation of your faith. And I love anything that we can do to, to stand out for the things of God, to be unashamed of the gospel. Again, while baptism is not essential for salvation, Christians get baptized, amen? And we should. This Sunday is the first Sunday of the month, right? If anybody here wants to get baptized, let me know. We'll do it. I've got a wetsuit in my trunk. I'll leave it there. I'm ready to go. But what I love about this, look at verse verse 15. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath. They had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them and the Lord gave them rest all around. Man, I love this. They sought the Lord and the Lord showed up. And notice that in their commitment to God, there is great joy. And the verse that came to my mind immediately was that when one person gets saved, all the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen. There's a party in heaven every time one person gets saved and they have this, they made this commitment to the Lord. And what does it bring? Not a heavy burden, not a bunch of black robes and a wheelbarrow full of rules with heaven at the end. When they gave their life to God and they made this commitment to God, there's joy. They're playing music. They're worshiping. They're celebrating. Amen. And guys, when we give our life to the Lord, it should be something that brings joy, not drudgery. 
The world brings drudgery. If you go to a church that's extremely legalistic, they may pour a lot of weight on you. But that's not what the Bible teaches. We're new creations in Christ. The Bible says, if any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. You know, when we surrender to the Lord, when we make a commitment to him, oh, it's just a beautiful thing. When I was, uh, we're almost done. When I was um, in Russia, one of the times I was in Russia, I ended up going into this, uh, we, we, at night what we would do is we'd do these concerts. We were planting a Calvary Chapel in a city called Perm, something in nowhere out near, towards Siberia. And at the end of the night, there were a bunch of neo-Nazis, which is just comical. I don't know, the Russians, I mean, what are you doing? But I sat down with these like eight guys, and I was talking to them about the Lord. And God gave me an analogy that I've used a few times since. And the analogy was this, because I was trying to explain it to them. I'm doing it through an interpreter. And I said, look, I said, uh, this is my wedding ring. And I said, my wife and I at the time had been married 20 years or whatever. And I said, my wife and I, we didn't get married until a couple of things happened. The first thing that had to happen is, is that I had to propose to her. And I said, I got down on my knee in the Shadowbrook restaurant and I asked her to be my wife. And she said, yes, praise the Lord. I said, but she, she so we're committed to each other. I'm, she's my bride and I'm her husband. and It's going to be that way forever. I said, but then, it wasn't then that she took my, it wasn't until she took my name. And that, and she didn't take my name until we had the wedding. Until she came down the aisle and her name went from Lynette Weir to Lynette Johnston. And then they gave us these rings. And what these rings are is a 24-hour day, seven-day week reminder that I belong to her, she belongs to me, and that we are one in Christ. Then I say, well, let me tell you that about the propo- another proposal that was far better than that one. See, Jesus Christ didn't go to the Shadowbrook restaurant. He hung on the cross of Calvary. And he says to all of us, will you be my bride? Will you, will you be married to me? Will you surrender your life to me? And you know what? We, when we give our life to the Lord and we surrender our life to him, it's then and only then that we get to take his name. See, my wife, when, she, when we got married, it was then and only then she went from being Lynette Weir to Lynette Johnston. She could only take my name when we were married. And, the, the, and we, when we give our life to the Lord, we surrender our life to Him. It's then and only then we can take His name, and that name is Christian. Amen? And what He gives us is not a ring, but He gives us the Holy Spirit, who comes to live inside of us, and now He's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week reminder that we belong to Him. Amen? And so I love that analogy. By the way, just really quickly, I was over at Godspeak like, I don't know, 10 years ago, and this guy walks up to me. And he goes, hey, is your name David Johnston? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you were in Perm, Russia like 10 years ago. I go, yeah. He goes, remember all the neo-Nazis you were talking to? I was one of them. He goes, all the guys walking with the Lord. I got a job with Amgen. I moved out here. I knew you were in California, but I couldn't remember where. And I've been looking for you. And then he told me one of the other neo-Nazis is now the pastor of the Calvary Chapel there. Thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? When we get to heaven, we're going to have a whole lot of that stuff, and I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. But the point is that, look, it goes beyond just knowing about him, but we need to marry to him. We need to be confessing him. We need to have intimate fellowship with him, and that's what their heart was. They, they were rejoicing that they belonged to the Lord, and they rejoiced, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Last point, it says in verse 16 to 19, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now watch what happens. We've already talked about this a couple times in other chapters. He also removed Makkah, the mother of Asa the king. It's actually his grandmother. From being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah, was the goddess of sex. And Asa cut down her obscene image, then crushed and burned it by the brook Kidron. He fired his grandmother. She was in a position of authority in the government He saw what she did, he torched it, he tore it down, he burnt it, and he fired his grandmother. You know why? We love God more than we love even our own family. Amen? We don't compromise the word of God to to accommodate our family. Now, we want to love our family, we want to be kind, we want to be gracious, we want to serve them. But guys, the best thing I can do for my wife is love God more than I love her. 
The best thing I can do for my kids and my grandkids is love God more than I love them. Because if I love them, if I love God more, I'll be a better husband. If I love God more, I'll be a better dad. I'll be a better pastor. I'll be a better man. Amen? And so we see here Asa, man, stepping up. When it's been his dad, his grandpa, even his great-grandpa Solomon didn't finish well. So here he is, and he's standing firm, and he's being faithful. And praise the Lord. I love this example that we see in him. And then it says there in verse 17, But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal in, those, in his days. So some of the high places that were in Israel were still there. Remember, Israel is the 10 northern nations, but many of the people have been coming down to where God was being worshiped, and, and he, there were still some remaining in Israel. So even though they saw God blessing them in Judah, they continued to leave the idols. And the same can be true for Christians. You see God blessing someone else, and I'm not talking about in a, in a material way, but you just see the hand of God on someone else's life, but then we don't change our life at all. And then we wonder why we're not being blessed in the same way that somebody who's faithfully serving the Lord is. Then it says in verse 18, he also brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and utensils. When the previous kings, we saw the gold being taken out of the temple. It was being taken out by the enemies. It was being drug off into captivity. And so where, where everything was being taken when there was an ungodly king, now it's being given back to the Lord when there's a godly king. And guys, that's what we should be doing. We should be giving to the Lord. We can't give him enough, amen? And he's given us so much. We're so blessed to be his children, adopted into his family. And then it says, and there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. See, because he was faithful, God blessed them with peace. And you know what? When we're faithful to the Lord, we live with peace. Doesn't mean it won't be trials, but it means that we know in the midst of the greatest storm that the Lord is with us. Can't have peace apart from the Prince of Peace. So in closing, revival begins with repentance. First, take heed lest ye fall. Never allow God's blessings, provision, or gifting to keep you from remaining humble, broken, and desperate. Seek and ye shall find in the midst of trials and temptation, turn to the Lord. There needs to be someone who shares the truth. Press in, finish strong, be faithful. Number three, do not be passive or complacent in your walk. We should never be satisfied. You know, we should never be in a place where we think we've arrived spiritually. We should always desire to be growing in our walk with the Lord. Uh, number four, choose today whom you will serve. When we recognize that all we have comes from the Lord, it's so much easier for us to give to Him. And then finally, seek first the kingdom of God. Pursue, praise, uh, and serve God with all that you have and make it the priority of your life. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to take what we have learned tonight and to apply it to our lives. Help us not be satisfied with a complacent walk. Lord, light a fire in all of us, Lord, to walk in the center of your will and be the man of God, men and women of God you've called us to be. I pray your blessing on every marriage that is represented here, every family. Pray for their children, grandchildren, if applicable, Lord. Just pray for these families. Pray your blessing upon them. I pray for the men, that we would be the spiritual leader in our household we'd be a Christ-like example to those around us. I pray, Lord, for tomorrow, for those of us who are going to go to work, the Lord, you bring divine appointments. Give us an opportunity to share the hope that lies within us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...